0: Now get 0% APR or up to $1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Kicks away. Pagan toward third. The throw. Got him. The ball hit the dirt, but on the bounce, Escobar able to get it. He applies the tag. Pagan and Mike Quadi arguing, and here's Lou. This could be the yep. one. There it is, number one, the first ejection as a Cubs manager for Lou Pinella, and he is really letting Mark Wagner have it.
1: I love that it's Wagner. I forgot it was. With, what you doing, Wagner? Six seventy, the score is where you are. Was that was that was that Brenly or Deshays? It was Brenly, right? Yeah, it's, that was that's two thousand seven. Yeah. That's Lou Pinella getting kicked out. It's Matt Spiegel with you here on Hit and Run, as I will be every Sunday morning during the baseball season. And my co-host right there is Ryan Dempster today. Um, and uh, so Pinella getting kicked out. I remember at the time thinking that Lou was like, you know, it's about time I got kicked out. Ah, people want to, people want to see it. They want to know I still, they want to know I still care. I, want to snow, I still give a crap, and, and then he went out there, and I think I think he ripped third base out of its moorings and threw it around. If that's the same one I'm thinking about,
2: oh yeah, he kicked like half the like Roger had to bring out a bunch more dirt. You know, they had diamond dry it back up because it was like cement at the bottom. He just kicked it all off. I, lo- I loved when Lou got thrown out. Like he was so good about it. You know, very, very rarely did he ever get thrown out for no reason. It it had there was motive behind it. Hmm. Um whether that was like he was out the night before and he just didn't really feel like <laughs> staying awake for the game. Like in Colorado. I I remember he got thrown out in Colorado and so for Cubs fans who remember the time he got thrown out. This was yeah. so great. So he got thrown out in the second inning, but for whatever reason maybe just because it is bigger, but the field in Colorado, like second base feels like it's like a full football field away, right? So he goes out to argue this call at second base, and he gets thrown out. So, you know, high altitude, no oxygen, Lou going out there, Lou coming back. Uh-huh. I mean, he's bright red. We're, we're like oxygen tanking, ready to go. we got an EMT on site in case he has a jammer, like all this stuff. <laughs> and then he goes up, and I, I watch him, he goes up the tunnel, and he goes up the stairs to the clubhouse, into his, into his office, door closed, boom. Now, eighth inning, here comes Lou out of his office. Tidy-whities, that's it, all right? Hair looked like he combed it with a pork chop. He's just sit there, and he's been asleep for six innings, and he just comes out, and he he walks out, and he looks up at the TV, and he goes, shocker, we're still losing. (laughs) Oh, man, it was so much fun, you know, to be around him, and it it was purely, I mean, to be around a great baseball mind, he knew the game as good as anybody, but... From an entertainment standpoint, for somebody who had four days off in between work, uh-huh. to watch him was pretty special. Well,
1: he, he he was a made guy. A made guy in terms of the way that the league thought about him. He's coming off a broadcasting stint. I don't... I mean, like he just didn't need to give a crap anymore. And I don't think he did really give a crap what people thought. I love it. He's walking around tiny white. Now I don't want to try to comb my hair with a pork chop. <laughs> does that work? Uh, not very well. <laughs> it does if
2: you want to take all of your hair and put it up on one side of your head you know like look like you smeared some something in there
1: oh man god. oh god i just remember lou i, I like that year no when was, it? It was later on it was later on uh when starling Castro, when everybody was about starling Castro, one spring right and i remember lou saying mm-hmm. oh yeah i didn't know i saw him out there on field four he got hit i said uh, who's that guy Who's that? guy, Lou just talking about being on a golf cart driving around. Who's that guy hitting over there? And I'm like Lou, that's that's Starling Castro. He's our number one prospect, and everybody's kind of excited. Ah, okay. There was you so think many Lou something? No, no, not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you remember
2: that? I remember one time he asked. He sat there. It was so funny. He looked at Larry Rothschild, and he turns around. and He goes, "Hey, Larry, get worked up." And Larry kind of looked. Work? He goes, uh, uh, Lou, uh, remember we sent him down before the game? And he, and he didn't even miss a beat. He just goes, well, then get another righty up. Oh, <laughs> uh, it was just awesome.
1: No, That's it Michael Wirtz, right? Yeah. Not Vic Wurtz.
2: No, Michael Wirtz.
1: But a Vic Wurtz might have been in yeah. his mind.
2: <laughs> Maybe we need Vic Wirtz.
1: But he said, then get another righty <laughs>
2: Oh, which incredible. one Lou? Incredible.
1: Oh man. I felt, I felt like he took the job cause he thought he should. That's what it felt like to me. It was <laughs> like, all right, it's the tail end of a great career. Well, why, why wouldn't I take the Cubs job? Of course I'll take it. <laughs> Whether he wanted to do it or not,
2: but, but was he good at it? He was, you know, it was, he, he really, it was funny. He was like that guy that you, you thought wasn't paying attention, but then always had exactly what was going on. So, he was incredible about hitting. Like he knew how to knew about pitching and the hitting matchups and you know, like instantly bring a reliever in and then all of a sudden that reliever throws a first pitch slider and he's like, "If I wanted a slider, I would have brought in so and so. Why are we doing that?" You know, he knew it right away and it was like talk to him about, you know, if a guy's hitting 300, mm. you got to pitch him in Dempster. You can't, if a guy's hitting 300, he, he covers the ball away. So you got to, you got to make sure you get him off the plate. Like little simple things like that, that yeah. you, they seem simple in the moment, but it's the truth. You know, you don't sit there. Those big hitters that are hitting 320, 330. If you just throw it away, they're rocking doubles in the gap in right center. So he always had that ability and understanding the game. You know, he was also, you know, could be 50 games over 500 and be like, oh, we're going to win with this team. These guys
1: stink. You know, so. <laughs> what's a, What's the most important thing a manager can do? Like I've I've always thought about, or I used to think about them as like strategic guys and then atmosphere providers. Like like uh, they're supposed to provide a real good atmosphere. And it sounds like Piniella, you know, whether he provided a real good atmosphere.
2: Yeah, and I think too he let us have our clubhouse. You know, as players. That, you know that's really not the manager's job. it's the player's job to to manage that you know we're on the bus together we're we're traveling together we're we're family members for that season, so mm-hmm. it's up to the veteran guys to control the young guys in a sense of like making sure they're getting to where they need to go on time and making sure they're getting their work in and and leading them and helping them out and passing along the things that you've heard from other people. but he really let us have that. He stayed out of our clubhouse you know um he let us be us uh and and communicate. You know, Lou. Lou was a guy that if you went and 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 went into his office and yeah. talked to him, yeah, it was here. But if you if you cowered from him, when or, you
1: say here, you're you're making your head like he one out. Like he was really paying attention. Yes, he was really giving you full communication.
2: And and going forward from that meeting on, he remembered. He remembered. Like I remember, he came out in in uh, in Cincinnati. I hadn't pitched since Friday in Las Vegas. We'd always go to Vegas, which was a great idea, right? Hey, guys. <laughs> Go do spring training for six weeks, and then right before we start the season, we're going to take you for two nights to Vegas.
1: Who thought of that brilliant idea? And then we'd like you to be at your best, right? Right after that,
2: I'm watching Richie Sex and we're playing the Mariners. I'm watching Richie Sex and swing and miss by eight feet on Saturday, like fresh off of a blackjack table, straight to the straight to the game into the batter's box. But so now I hadn't pitched. Anyways, I, I'm pitching in an eight to one game on a Wednesday. We lost Opening Day. This is 2007, and I and I sit there and I walk a guy with one out. And then I go 1-0 on Griffey, and here comes Lou. I'm winning 8-1. to I'm his closer. Right? Son, what's the problem? And I said, what do you mean? He goes, it's 30 degrees out. We're winning 8-1. to There's Montgomery and Ribs in the clubhouse. Throw the ball over the plate. <laughs> and just walks away. And that was it. And I'm like, all right, I think I threw ball two. He wasn't even in the dugout yet. So I get out of it, and the next day I go, and I go, hey, Skip, can I talk to you? And he's like, yeah, what is it? What is it, son? Come in here. And I go, "Um, hey, uh. You know, I'm your closer, right? Yeah, yeah, you're my closer. I go, well, I don't need a pep rally. Like, the only time you should ever be coming out to the mound is to discuss a bunt or take me out because I've blown a save. And he goes, yeah, I like that. All right. And he never came out again. That was it. (laughs) And after that, we just got along really great. It was like, he understood how I felt. I understood how he felt. You told him what you need. Yeah. You told him what you need. He's like, all right. Okay. All right. I want to do that. You play. Right? The, The good kind. The hard kind.
1: Yeah. Oh, my God. That's glorious. It's 670 to score. Um, I said we were going to stay with current clubs, and then we did 10 minutes of Piniella stories. But I want to do more. They're too good. Um, all right. But I mentioned about about Rizzo. Last night, bases loaded. That dude is just he's never afraid to transition from the A-hack to the B-hack. That's what Joe calls it, right? And it's like he took a massive hack at a one-strike pitch that he fouled off that was like, as it was Javi Baez with the driver. It was as big a swing as you can have. But then two strikes, he chokes up and he does his thing, and he ends up placing a ball in the Wade Boggs spot right over the third, base, right over the third baseman, drives in two. It, is, is that selflessness that some guys don't have? What, what is it that keeps people from doing that? Because I, I think everybody should do that.
2: Yeah, I wish everybody could. I think it's a couple things. One, he's, he's A, super self-aware. Like, uh, it's selflessness, yeah, but it's self-aware to go, okay, here's my chance. I got a chance right here on this pitch to yeah. go deep. Yeah, And the minute that doesn't happen, it clicks off and it's like, okay, what's the next approach? I can't do that again, otherwise I'm just, whereas some guys are going to go, I just missed that pitch. I'm going to get the next one and I'm going to do that. Uh-huh. And he, So it's
1: not as much necessarily self-sacrifice as it is self-awareness. How, what's the best way for me to get good results?
2: Yes, and, and for the team. Like, the chance for me to hit a grand slam right here and, and crush this pitch, I'm going to take a shot. Um, but I also understand that if I do that, I'm probably going to get not get the same pitch. I'm going to get something different. So I'm going to immediately try and go the other way with it. And he does it all the time. You see it, the the ability to put together an at-bat where he might strike out, but it's a nine-pitch at-bat. Yep. That's that's a lot of pitches that he sees for future at-bats off that pitcher. So he he's as good as anybody. He's like him, Joey Votto um you know guys in the league that that do that that have the ability to three one I'm going to try and hit a homer and three two I'm going to try and hit a line drive down the left field line yeah and and it's it's fun to watch it's fun to be around as a teammate you just marvel at stuff like that and you probably most guys are like man why don't other guys do that not everybody has that makeup and you know what not not everybody will but you know, sometimes and and it leads. You always talk about lead by example, right? Anthony Rizzo leads by example, and if you just watch what he does, um, you're going to end up doing good things.
1: Yeah, Yelich had an 11 pitch at bat against Quintana the other night, and it was like, oh god. And and, and Rizzo, you're talking about. I always think of last year. Um, It was the Nationals, and Jeremy Hellickson, I think, was perfect through five or something like that. Then to start out the sixth, Rizzo had like a 17-pitch at-bat or a 16-pitch at-bat. And I'll mess up some of these specifics, and it doesn't matter. Because the point is that the at-bat broke Hellickson, completely and utterly broke him. And he didn't even get out of the sixth, and and the Cubs came back and took the game.
2: Yeah, productive outs are super important and as a starting pitcher Mm -hmm. there's nothing I hated more than early in a game a guy wearing me down even though you get him out it's like great not only did he see everything I had the guy in the on deck circle saw everything Uh, the guys in the bench see that I'm struggling to throw my slider for a strike instead why don't you just roll over the first pitch or rope a double in the gap and at least I got a better shot sometimes those things where you throw together an at-bat like that even though you make an out you don't get a hit they they just carry weight throughout the rest of the game, throughout a series sometimes, because now you wear that starting pitcher out. Now what happens? You get in the bullpen earlier. Now you're facing guys that you might face later on in the series. It just has a trickle-down effect that is so monumental, and that's just a great job by Rizzo once again last night.
1: This is Javier in Lake Forest, who's been patient. Thanks for hanging on the score. What's up, Javier? How are you? You're on Hit and Run.
2: Hey man, awesome. Uh good morning. Uh what a pleasure
3: it
1: is uh to this the show on Sunday morning. Thank you. It's cool. great to be uh, well, here. I'm getting my girls ready for uh, my date. Anyway, so uh I don't, I don't really know how to ask this but um
3: my, my my question is with with everything that's out like uh you know, on social media and like uh, just in media in general, how how in the I mean, before this you talked about how what's the best thing a manager can do, how how do you approach a ball player um or how is a ball player or a person approached when there's so, much, um, there's so much news about them not being mentally tough? It's one thing to do it in life, but how, how is an athlete, or in this case, how is a major league ball player, how, how, how are they approached?
1: Are you talking about um, anybody specifically talking about Darvish? That's where my head went. Uh, Yeah, sure. I mean, I don't want to, yeah, and I feel bad saying his name. No, but but, but that's what it is, Javier. I don't mean to cut you short, but let's have the conversation. Uh, People look at Darvish and they'll say, man, mentally weak or mentally fragile. I look at it and I say, sensitive guy. And and I think it's important to own whoever you are as a person. You, Darvish, is clearly a sensitive guy. So you've got to deal with him perhaps in a different way as a manager. Is that fair?
2: Yeah, a hundred percent. When you're a, when you're a manager and you talked about being a good manager, you're managing people. Twenty five different personalities. Not everybody's the same. Some guys like to be yelled at. That's just the coaching method that works for them. Mm-hmm. I was one of those guys where like if you challenged me, that that I I use that as motivation. So whereas some guys are extremely sensitive and it's like you can't talk to a guy a certain way because um it, they don't get the best results that way. And I think that's a really hard thing to do. And you know so you're managing that. You want to have It's like it's it's tough, right? Create confidence because when you're confident, you do better. Yeah. But you also have to be able to give that opportunity to create that confidence. So it's like, where do you what do you do? How do you tow that line? And that's a really hard thing sometimes. And and he's right, you know, and then you have a world where now you as a host of a radio show can say whatever I want. That's that's OK. You host a radio show. Now yep. you have people on Twitter and on social media and things where a lot of people have opinions now
1: and can say whatever they want directly s- to you,
2: directly to you. And and that's hard for some guys to be able to shut that out and realize that to say it's not important, it doesn't it just doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is focusing on trying to do your job. And what's I can't we can't please all the people was Mitch Hedberg, you know, can't please all the people all the time. Last night, all those people were at my game, you know, or <laughs> <laughs> at his show. So, like, that's oh, that's that's the truth is, like, you're always going to have somebody that's maybe a little disappointed. And and so for, you know, a guy like you to build on that confidence, I've sure. played with him in Texas. I've seen him at his best. Um, and when he's good, there's he's as good as anybody in the league. And so I think the more confidence he can gain, uh, he had a better outing than his first outing, and now that just build off that, have another good outing. And then all of a sudden now you get into a guy who sits there – and is going six to eight innings a game, punching out 12 to 14 because he's got that kind of stuff.
1: See, the specific moment that we're talking about in terms of that balance, 71 pitches the other night. Four innings, got into the fifth, 71 pitches. And here we are, we talked last hour about leaning on the starters. We talked about leaning on these guys, and in general leaning on these guys. But Joe took Darvish out, and he said it was because he wanted him to have a good outing. And you know what? I understand that. I, I, I As much as it might bother me strategically a little bit, I understand that. And I have to give Joe the benefit of the doubt of knowing his guy at that point. I I remember having
2: games as a young guy, and I talked earlier about Harvey Dorfman. Uh, Harvey wrote The Mental Game of Baseball and the ABCs of Pitching. He was a tremendous mind that worked with a ton of pitchers, Hall of Fame players, all kinds of stuff. And I was struggling, and I was going through some struggles. And then I go out and I throw six shutout innings. And then my manager sent me out for the seventh inning. I was having a good game. And I ended up giving up four runs in the seventh inning and didn't get an out. So now I go six innings, four runs, and I'm down. And I'm in my locker, and Harvey sees me, and he's like, great job. And I was like, Harvey, and he's like, wait a second. So we've worked really hard to get you over this hump, this mental hump of, like, just being successful and just focusing on the here and the now and this pitch. And you throw six dynamite innings, and you're going to focus on the seventh inning? That's all you're going to focus on? Why not focus on those six innings? Let's focus on all the things you did right, right then. But it's hard because the closest thing to my memory is that seventh inning. So how do I, we always talk about moving forward. Yeah, how do I, yeah. how do I look at the past to to move forward? And, and that's what it's hard to do sometimes. And I think that's what Joe was trying to do is create that, reinforce that positive before that bad moment happened. And unfortunately a couple of his runs come in and it, doesn't look as good as it was because it was really good he threw the ball really well for four innings
1: 670 the score is where you are it's hit and run i'm matt spiegel he is ryan dempster tyler Kepner from the new york times will join us in about 20 minutes talk about the league as a whole one more segment with ryan when we come back on 670 the score
0: and let's see if baez can crank up a cubs rally he drives one in the air deep center field back goes Kane to the center field fence that ball is gone javier baez dead center just to the right of the 400-foot sign, and the Cubs now lead 5-2. to two. Highlight courtesy of
1: 670 to score. So that game on the radio last night, as all Cubs games are, right here on 670 The score, as will the one later today be. Uh, I was on MLB Network TV last night, and I'm watching the broadcast um, in a bar, because I got that and I got the NCAA tournament games on at the same time. So no audio. Uh, but I see John Smoltz playing an accordion. I'm like, what the hell is going on here? And I guess it's been known for a while. I didn't know it until last night. This morning, I Googled John Smoltz accordion, and I actually found a YouTube video of his dad playing the accordion in like a little trio somewhere in Phoenix. But yeah, so Smoltz plays the accordion. Have you, have you witnessed this before at MLB Network? I, in, I, have,
2: I have seen it. Um, John Smoltz is a man of many talents, you know, Hall of Fame pitcher, uh you know US US Open qualify senior qualifier for the US Open. Oh, that's right. Golfer, extraordinaire. Uh basketball player, like incredible handles. Really? Yeah. Tremendous basketball player. Like still plays in some very competitive ex NBA playing wow. uh, over forty league and then an accomplished accordion player. I'd like to see an album him and Weird Al Yankovic. Of, of the accordion? Yeah, just accordion. Well,
1: you know, you know the accordion is uh, is a much derided musical instrument, especially in the musical community. Like people like the common joke is is this one, you hear about the accordion player who went to go to the mall and he left the accordion in the front seat and left his door open. You hear about that? <laughs> he came back there were two accordions <laughs> right. in the car. So somebody came by and was like, oh, here's another one. <laughs> right? That's where we put these things. <laughs> like nobody's going to steal your accordion. So um, I know you used to do card tricks. Has that come up at MLB Net? Have you done card tricks? Or any other parlor games of sorts?
2: Uh no, no uh nothing nothing asked about that. We do some fun stuff every once in a while. They but like I, I should I should you break should, out right? some of the magic tricks.
1: Yeah, do you, do you still do some of that?
2: I do a little bit. I fool around with my kids at home and, and I used to do it a lot, like when I was in the minor leagues and then coming up early on in the big leagues and um, I used to travel with like a little tiny like magic kit and have some fun with it. Card tricks, coin tricks, you know, oh, disappearing handkerchiefs. All kinds of stuff.
1: That's awesome.
2: Yeah, a little fun. You know, you got, it's a long season. you got to do things to keep it light.
1: Well, I, I loved the um, off-the-mound thing last year at the Vic um, last August. That was really fun. It was you hosting in the talk show format, which you've done at Cubs conventions on the Friday night yep. um, for a couple years now, right? A few years? Yeah, five years. Five years. Okay. Yeah. So with this off-the-mound was um, Kerry Wood with some great stories, Ozzie Guillen with great stories, and... A band there doing the thing and you looking, looking dapper up there having some fun. There was no card tricks and, or magic. And so I demand that next time. Right. Um, and then Sean Casey came up there and the mayor, the former Cincinnati Red and, and Red Sox as well. Yep. And, um, Tiger. Tiger. Uh, but he absolutely stole the show with story after story. The best one was about like, how he's got some, some hair trimmer from Ken Griffey yes. that Ken Griffey left around. But um, Casey seems like a very good dude. still a good dude good teammate too yeah
2: he's he's a 10 human being really is he he changes uh lives he does at his home in his hometown uh, in pittsburgh um building uh miracle league fields for children with disabilities um you know like just had an idea he's like hey you know i want to i want to do this i want to build a a field i went around pittsburgh and was like i'm putting up a hundred thousand dollars of my own money what are you guys going to put up Teach company? And the next thing you know, boom, he raised over a million bucks. He's wow. just, he's got that personality. He was an incredible teammate, um, you know, and then therefore you're required to kind of be a better teammate because of him, you know, and it wasn't always on, on the field. Sometimes you had to do things like uh, we, we were kind of getting into this before. Yeah.
1: I'm I'm leading you towards telling this cause you told me in the break, but I need you to do it. Now. So
2: I get traded over to the Cincinnati Reds in 2003 or sorry, 2002 and, I get there, and I've been with the team for six days, right? Okay. You feel like you've known Case for six years because every time you get to first base, he's asking you about you know, your aunt and uncle and you know where you had dinner last night and what kind of shampoo you use and all kinds of stuff. So now I'm sitting there, and I've been on the team for six days, and we go to St. Louis, and we're at the Hyatt Union Station uh, right there in kind of downtown area, and I get this phone call on my hotel room phone, and I answer it. Hey, Dump, it's Case, man. You come down to my room? I was like, sure, man. Yeah, no problem. So I walk my way down to Sean Casey's room and knock on the door and he lets me in. He goes, hey, I know this is going to be a little bit weird, man. But, uh, you know, my wife's coming in and uh, I didn't really I, re- I didn't really take care of all the manscaping stuff. And my back's super hairy. So, like, you think maybe you could just get some clippers and just, like, if, can you shave my back for me? <laughs> and I'm like, is this really, is there a camera on me right now? Is this a prank on the new guy? Like, what's going on here? And I just said, you know what? Now's my chance to be a good teammate. You bet, Case. <laughs> Give me that thing, man. I was just brrr, weed whacking through there. Like I needed, like a couldn't even get through there with a zero guard. I had to take it down with a four guard first and then make my way through that. I should have put his number
1: in the back. That's what I should have done. Oh, but, the opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, or your man. own initials. Next time. Or, you yeah. know, some if you really want to screw with them, like a heart and some girl's initials or something like that. <laughs> But, no, see, that's beautiful. A guy guy asks you to do that, you got to come through. It's what being a teammate's all about.
2: Yeah, and then when I asked him to come be on off the mound at the Vic, he's like, are you kidding me? Of course I will, man. I
1: remember when you shaved my back in St. Louis. I'll do anything for you. (laughs) So... <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so you're gonna do more of that, the off the mound stuff of like the talk show thing. Yeah, we're doing
2: one in July at the Park West, which we're really excited about, and then we're just trying cool. to get one right now in Boston um, on the on the books. So uh, which will be a lot of fun. And uh, we did two out in Arizona at the Innings Festival, which was a lot of fun. You know, great guest Jake Peavy was incredible. He got up and played. and uh, uh, yeah, Roger Clemens was great. And then uh, we actually had Casey back out. And then um, wait,
1: Clemens was great. That is yeah. hard for me to to fathom because I, I remember very private clemens and then very angry clemens and i don't think i know i've n- I've never met personable clemens
2: yeah and 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 i think that's kind of part of what the show is all about is to for, for people to understand and i thought that was one of the best things my uncle who was at the show afterwards came up to me and he was like totally changed my opinion of him and i and you know his wife debbie was like thank you so much for for sharing that side of roger because you're exactly right roger was a very private guy yeah. and then um you know, with everything that went on and and people saw a side of him that I'm sure he's not proud of that side of himself. Um, but he was fun, you know, the guy loves the game of baseball. He's still always constantly trying to teach kids and mm. and, and and help and and um, you know, he's funny. Uh, he's, he loves Texas, you know, Hook'em Horns, UT, yeah. and, and, and he was a nine, blast. He's got
1: nine kids with whose names start with K.
2: Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> 100%. Yeah, well, he only had four four 4,600 and something strikeouts, so, um, you know, Crazy. one of them was going to be Kid K. But we told a really funny story. I'll get to this real quick. Yeah, he, yeah. He, uh He, you know, Ted Lilly had told me this story that sometimes, you know, so like in the training room, you have Vaseline, you know, uh, they they have that, and then they have... One that's got a little bit of, like, heat to it called Kramer Jezik. So, like, on a cold day, you rub it on your quads or on your shoulder if you're a pitcher. And it promotes some, like, irritability that gets the, you know, the blood flow going. Okay. Then they got Red Hot, which Uh-oh. is even hotter. You know, you got to be careful. Too much of that, and you can, like, burn your skin. And then uh-huh. there's Atomic Bomb, which...
1: No! There's four different levels? Oh,
2: yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's like going to Buffalo Wild Wings, <laughs> you know, but for, for, like, how to lube your arm up.
1: <laughs> so he
2: told me the story about Roger would put it on his growing because it really that's you know one of the most sensitive areas in the body and really promote heat. So I'm asking Roger this story and he said, "Well, no, this not exactly what happened. I put it on my inner thighs like down towards my knees. But the problem was I I go warm up in the bullpen Uh-oh. and then I go to the bathroom and I, you know, I pull my pants down, but then when I pulled them back up, it got in some areas that were a little closer, you know, t- <laughs> to my groin. Pit closer to home. Hence my groin. <laughs> So he goes, but the best part was now I get out on the mound and I'm, like, antsy, you know? Like, I'm, like, dancing and he's, like, I'm, like, kind of, like, smoke's coming out of my ears. I'm really... And now the hitters are all scared because they're like, man, Roger's really pissed today. <laughs> He's weird Al
1: Roboski yeah. out there all
2: of a sudden. But he just had Red Hot in an uncomfortable area. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, whatever it takes to get yeah. you there, I suppose. Um, all right, I got to ask you two more things. Um, all right, do you and A-Rod run into each other in TV circles, and are you cool even uh, though you hit him in the hip?
2: Yeah, it was in the
1: elbow guard. Oh, yeah, yeah that's yeah, right. My bad. My bad. So to... The first one was behind him, right? Yeah. And then you, you went down. You went, You were behind three and zero. Oh, yeah. And you still hit him three and zero. Oh. That was my. That's when I really loved.
2: I it. just didn't want him to get his arms extended. You know. So um, no, <laughs> well, we haven't. Didn't. We
1: haven't run into each other.
2: Um, no, well, no, we haven't. Um, but talk, I'm talk cool. about
1: a public turn, man. That guy. Was so hated and like, and I thought he was the most, and maybe still is, the most narcissistic guy in the history of the universe. But disliked, and then you do some TV, or you let your guard down a little bit, and just talk a little bit, and all of a sudden people like you.
2: I know it was crazy. What a difference! Like a year made you went from like a Rod being hated to being loved, and Jeter from being loved to being hated as the owner of the Marlins. So So, true. Yeah, it's so true. Yeah. So,
1: Um, and then um, if there are fireworks uh, in May. When the Cubs play the Cardinals, are you ready to accept some responsibility? This past (laughs) Cubs convention, um, as you were doing your talk show thing on a Friday night, you were the one who led Chris Bryant into the St. Louis is boring territory, and then Yadier Molina got all upset, because that's what you do when you have to live in St. Louis. Um, and, uh, and I know you've since you know kind of apologized about it. I actually like St. Louis as a town. I'm that weird guy. People laugh at me. But are you ready to accept some responsibility if things go haywire? Sure.
2: Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll take a little bit of that on. Hey, you know, like I've, I've always said that, and it's funny, like one little comment like that, but I've always said it. St. Louis, to me, has had some the best fans, Um, their organization plays the game the right way. Nothing but respect for them. They were the model. Yes, they still are. They still do things the right way. They still play the game the right way. Um,
1: It's interesting because I I, I used to say as the Cubs were chasing the beginnings of of the Theo run, and and obviously for decades before that, that the organizational model also happened to be your division rival. I mean, they were right there but I think the Cubs have have passed them by but I guess that doesn't erase the decades and decades and decades of doing it right.
2: No, and I think the one thing that the Cardinals haven't had is the starting pitching that they've had through all that run. And so they're getting some young guys Flaherty and these young guys in there that um will hopefully for them bring that back, but mm-hmm. um the rivalry's fun. And it was a lot of fun. We were just goofing around in a in a good little atmosphere and you know everybody's like you know Chris Bryant called uh, St. Louis boring. I'm like Chris Bryant's boring. You know, you know, when you don't leave your hotel room, you know, I'm just giving Chris a hard time right now. No, like there's tons of fun things to do there. Like, you know, go to the arch and
1: (laughs) and we we don't, we don't need to end giving St. Louis. No, we're we're good. um, I think Milwaukee people hate Milwaukee more now. You know why? Because they're really good. Yeah. It's crazy. And they, they, I don't know. Council just kind of has some, some, some magic as he deals with that pitching staff and pieces it together because they're good again.
2: Yeah, they, they uh put together a really good roster. Um, you know, signing Lorenzo Kane, a, a winner, a guy who did great things in Kansas City and yep. won a World Series there. Kristen Yelich, obviously. Um, but you hit it. Craig Council's done an incredible job. Yeah, you man. know, he learned from one of the best and Jim Leland coming up as a young guy um and and knows what it takes to to manage guys and he lets them be them. Let's them have their fun. They got a, a a good team, and it's going to be fun all season to ma- to watch the Cubs match up against them.
1: Brian Dempster, what a pleasure, man! Thank you, um, listeners. Check Ryan out on MLB Network um, as uh, as I almost always do and. He's on the Twitter. If you want to send him mean things or nice things as well, what's your Twitter handle? R Dempster.
2: Dempster forty six.
1: Dempster forty six, and does uh, a lot of a lot of good work. As he's been in town doing working with the first responders, and, and go check out off the mound uh, when it comes back to Park West in, in, July. in July, July twentieth, yeah. July twentieth at the Park West. All right, man. Thanks so much. It's a pleasure. Hey, great, great being on with you. Okay, it's six seventy. The score. Matt Spiegel and Hit and Run coming back with Tyler Kepner from the New York Times next.
2: Really is he. He changes uh, lives. He does at his home in his hometown uh, in Pittsburgh, um, building uh, Miracle League fields for children with disabilities. Um, you know, like just ha- had an idea. He's like, "Hey, you know, I want to. I want to do this. I want to build a, a field." I went around Pittsburgh and was like, "I'm putting up a hundred thousand dollars of my own money. What are you guys going to put up?" Teach company, and the next thing you know, boom! He raised over a million bucks. He's wow. just he's got that personality. He was an incredible teammate. Um, you know, and then therefore you're required to kind of be a better teammate because of him, you know, and it wasn't always on, on the field. Sometimes you had to do things like, uh, we, we were kind of getting into this before.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm leading you towards telling this cause you told me in the break, but I need you to do it. now.
2: So I get traded over to the Cincinnati Reds in 2003 or sorry, 2002. And I get there I've been with the team for six days, right? Okay. You, you feel like you've known case for six years because every time you get to first base, he's asking you about, you know, your aunt and uncle and you know, where you had dinner last night and what kind of shampoo he use and all kinds of stuff. So now I'm sitting there, and I've been on the team for six days, and we go to St. Louis, and we're at the Hyatt Union Station uh, right there in kind of downtown area, and I get this phone call on my hotel room phone, and I answer it, hey, Dump, it's Case, man. You come down to my room? I was like, sure, man. Yeah, no problem. So I walk my way down to Sean Casey's room and knock on the door, and he lets me in. He goes, hey, I know this is going to be a little bit weird, man, but uh, you know my wife's coming in, and... uh, I didn't, really, I didn't really take care of all the manscaping stuff, and my back's super hairy. So, like, you think maybe you could just get some clippers and just, like, if can you shave my back for me? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, is this really, is there a camera on me right now? Is this a prank on the new guy? Like, what's going on here? And I just said, you know what? Now's my chance to be a good teammate. You bet, Case. <laughs> Give me that thing, man. I was just weed whacking through there. Like I needed, like a couldn't even get through there with a zero guard. I had to take it down with a four guard first, and then make my way through that. I should have put his number in the back. That's what I should have done. All oh, the opportunity, yeah, yeah or your man. own
1: initials next time, or you yeah. know, some you really want to screw with them, like a heart and some girl's initials or something like that. <laughs> But, no, see, that's beautiful. A guy guy asks you to do that, you got to come through. It's what being a teammate's all about.
2: Yeah, and then when I asked him to come be on off the mound at the Vic, he's like, are you kidding me? Of course I will, man. I remember when you shaved my back in St. Louis. I'll do anything for you.
1: (laughs) So... (laughs) <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so you're gonna do more of that, the off the mound stuff of like the talk show thing.
2: Yeah, we're doing one in July at the Park West, which we're really excited about, and then we're just trying cool. to get one right now in Boston um, on the on the books. So uh, which will be a lot of fun. And uh, we did two out in Arizona at the Innings Festival, which was a lot of fun. You know, great guest. Jake Peavy was incredible. He got up and played. and uh, uh, yeah. Roger Clemens was great. And then uh, we actually had Casey back out. And then
1: um... wait, Clemens was great. That is yeah. hard for me to to fathom because I, I remember very private Clemens and then very angry Clemens. And I don't think I know I've n- I've never met personable Clemens.
2: Yeah. And, and, and I think that's kind of part of what the show is all about is to, for, for people to understand. And I thought that was one of the best things. My uncle who was at the show afterwards came up to me and he was like, totally changed my opinion of him. And I, and you know, his wife, Debbie was like, thank you so much for, for sharing that side of Roger, because you're exactly right. Roger was a very private guy. Yeah. And then, um, you know, with everything that went on and and people saw a side of him that I'm sure he's not proud of that side of himself, um, but he was fun, you know, the guy loves the game of baseball. he's still always constantly trying to teach kids and mm. and, and and help and and um, you know he's funny. Uh, he's he loves Texas, you know. Hook'em horns, UT, yeah. and 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 he it's was got a nine, blast.
1: Nine kids with whose names start with K.
2: Yeah, absolutely, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, well, he only had four four thousand six hundred something strikeouts. So, um, you know, Crazy. one of them was going to be Kid K. But we have told a really funny story. I'll get this real quick. Yeah, he, yeah. he uh, you know, Ted Lilly had told me this story that sometimes you know, so like in the training room, you have Vaseline, you know, uh, they they have that, and then they have. One that's got a little bit of, like, heat to it called Kramer Jezik. So, like, on a cold day, you rub it on your quads or on your shoulder if you're a pitcher. And it promotes some, like, irritability that gets the, you know, the blood flow going. Okay. Then they got red hot, which Uh-oh. is even hotter. You know, you got to be careful. Too much of that, and you can, like, burn your skin. And then uh-huh. there's atomic bomb, which...
1: No! There's four different levels? Oh,
2: yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's like going to Buffalo Wild Wings, <laughs> you know, but for, for, like, how to lube your arm up. <laughs> so he told me the story about Roger would put it on his growing. Because it really—that's you know—one of the most sensitive areas in the body—and really promote heat. So I'm asking Roger this story, and he said, "Well, no, this is not exactly what happened. I put it on my inner thighs, like down towards my knees. But the problem was, I I go warm up in the bullpen, uh-huh. and then I go to the bathroom, and i you know I pull my pants down. But then when I pulled them back <laughs> up, it got in some areas that were a little closer, you know, t- to my groin. Head closer to home. Hence my groin." <laughs> So he goes, but the best part was now I get out on the mound and I'm like antsy, you know, like I'm like dancing and he's like, I'm like kind of like smoke's coming out of my ears. I'm really and now the hitters are all scared because they're like man, Roger's really pissed
1: today. He's weird Al Roboski out there all of a sudden. But he
2: just had red hot in an uncomfortable
1: area. (laughs) Well, whatever it takes to get you there, I suppose. Um, All right. I got to ask you two more things. Um, Do you and A-Rod run into each other in TV circles and are you cool even Uh, though you hit him in the hip?
2: Yeah, it was in the elbow guard. Oh yeah, Yeah, that's right. My bad. bad. The first
1: one was behind him right yeah and then he went down you were you were behind 3 and 0 and you still hit him 3 and 0 that was my that's when i really loved
2: it i just didn't want him to get his arms extended you know so um no <laughs> well, we haven't didn't. we haven't run into each other um no, but, no we haven't um but talk, talk cool. about a
1: public turn man that guy Was so hated and like, and I thought he was the most, and maybe still is, the most narcissistic guy in the history of the universe. But disliked, and then you do some TV, or you let your guard down a little bit, and just talk a little bit, and all of a sudden people like you.
2: I know it was crazy. What a difference! Like a year made you went from like a Rod being hated to being loved, and Jeter from being loved to being hated as the owner of the Marlins. So So, true. Yeah, it's so true. Yeah. So,
1: Um, and then um, if there are fireworks uh, in May. When the Cubs play the Cardinals, are you ready to accept some responsibility? This past (laughs) Cubs convention, um, as you were doing your talk show thing on a Friday night, you were the one who led Chris Bryant into the St. Louis is boring territory and then Yadier Molina got all upset because that's what you do when you have to live in St. Louis. Um, and, uh, and I know you've since, you know, kind of apologized about it. I actually like St. Louis as a town. I'm that weird guy. People laugh at me. But are you ready to accept some responsibility if things go haywire? Sure.
2: Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll take a little bit of that on. Hey, you know, like I've, I've always said that and it's funny like one little comment like that, but I've always said it. St. Louis to me has had some the best fans Um, their organization plays the game the right way nothing but respect for them they were the model yes they still are they still do things the right way they still play the game the right way Um,
1: it's interesting because I I used to say as the Cubs were chasing the beginnings of of the run and and obviously for decades before that that the organizational model also happened to be your division rival I mean they were right there but i think the cubs have have passed them by but i guess that doesn't erase the decades and decades and decades of doing it right
2: no and i think the one thing that the cardinals haven't had is the starting pitching that they've had through all that run and so they're getting some young guys Flaherty and these young guys in there that um will hopefully for them bring that back but mm-hmm. um the rivalry's fun and it was a lot of fun we were just goofing around in a in a good little atmosphere and you know everybody's like you know chris bryant called st. louis boring i'm like chris bryant's boring you know, <laughs> you know, when you don't leave your hotel room, you know, I'm just giving Chris a hard time yeah. right now. No, like there's tons of fun things to do there. Like, you know, go to the arch and go
1: the <laughs> <baseball> game, <laughs> we, so. we don't we don't need to end given St. Louis. No, Let's I, see. We're, we're good. And the, yes. um, I think Milwaukee people hate Milwaukee more now. You know why? Because they're really good. Yeah, it's crazy. And they, they, they I don't know. Council just kind of has some 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 magic as he deals with that pitching staff and pieces it together because they're good again.
2: Yeah, they, they uh, put together a really good roster. Um, you know, signing Lorenzo Cain, a, a winner, a guy who did great things in Kansas City and yep. won a World Series there, Kristen Yelich, obviously. Um, but you hit it. Craig Council's done an incredible job. Yeah, you man. know, he learned from one of the best and Jim Leland coming up as a young guy. Um, and and knows what it takes to to manage guys, and he lets them be them, lets them have their fun. They got a, a, a good team, and it's going to be fun all season to ma- to watch the Cubs match up against them.
1: Ryan Dempster, what a pleasure, man! Thank you, um, listeners. Check Ryan out on MLB Network, um, as uh, as I almost always do, and. He's on the Twitter. If you want to send him mean things or nice things as well, what's your Twitter handle? R Dempster
2: Dempster forty six
1: Dempster forty six and does uh, a lot of a lot of good work because he's been in town doing working with the first responders and, and go check out off the mound uh, when it comes back to Park West in, in, July. in July July twentieth yeah. July twentieth at the Park West. All right, man. Thanks so much. It's a pleasure. Hey, great, great being on with you. Okay, it's six seventy. The score. Matt Spiegel and Hit and Run coming back with Tyler Kepner from the New York Times next.
3: In the air to left field, off the bat of Machado. That ball is back towards the wall, and that ball is going to be off the wall in left field. No, it's gone. It's a two-run home run. Manny Machado with his second home run in a Padres uniform, and the Padres get some breathing room on top now, 6-3. to
1: Manny Machado with the home run. It's been a really interesting first 10 days of baseball, at least to me, and hopefully to you. That's why we're hanging out together, talking about it on Hit and Run. 670 The Scores Baseball Show every Sunday morning. Pleasure to talk to Ryan Dempster over the last hour and a half as my first guest co-host. And my first national baseball writer guest is a terrific one. He is Tyler Kepner of the New York Times. been covering MLB there for a while Always a great follow on the Twitter and a great guy to read, and he's got a new book I want to talk about as well. Tyler, welcome to the show. How you doing, man?
3: I'm good. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me.
1: Absolutely. Um, so impressions early on of this, uh, this crazy league that we have. It seems like people are striking out even more and hitting home runs even more. Three true outcomes, I believe, are up. It doesn't look like uh, any big correction is coming anytime soon.
3: No, it doesn't. Um, It it sort of looks like what we've seen uh, the last few years, um, you know, trends continuing. And uh, those standings are a little uh, topsy-turvy right now. Um, Yeah. You know, I don't know how long it's going to last. But, uh, you know, we all kind of thought the American League would go – Go to form, and um, yeah, right now it's uh, it's it's nothing like that at all. So uh, every season's interesting, and this is this is off to an
1: interesting start. Uh, you're there where the Yankees have struggled. Um, what what do you make of them at four and four versus the Red Sox at two and eight? I find myself much more concerned long term about the Red Sox than I am the Yankees.
3: Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, you look the uh, the Red Sox, uh, has just been just been a abysmal um i mean historically bad and they're paying that rotation eighty-seven and a half million dollars this year which is more than i think 19 nine full teams um are getting paid so i'm worried about the red sox for that from that standpoint um the yankees have injuries and they're still foreign for um they got a big home run last night from clint frazier who's been aching to find a chance to play and be healthy so i'm not as worried about the yankees i think their early season schedule is pretty easy and eventually they'll uh Get on the, the good side of 500.
1: Mm-hmm. And the Astros are at four and five, not too, not too worried about them. Uh, in, in, in the National League, um, y- you know, the Dodgers just have a, a ridiculous juggernaut. I feel like Andrew Friedman is, is the standard, the way that he has brought the kind of sense of financial efficiency, if you will, to a big market behemoth. And maybe it's just the drafting skill more more than more than anything as well of the organization, but they they seem to be th- that rare huge money team that is also equipped to do this for a long long time.
3: Yeah, they they've stayed really disciplined, um, you know, which is which is interesting. I mean, they, they've they've paid good money to sign some of their own guys, uh, Justin Turner and and Kenley Kenley Jansen a few years ago. Um, but they really believe in their ability to find um, sort of undervalued players, um, just like you would as the GM of, of the Rays, which he was before, or, or uh, Oakland, as Farhan Zaidi, his former um, but, you know the GM, used to used to do. So you know if they if they can get a Max Muncy or a Chris Taylor just about every year <laughs> for pretty much no money and then promote a really good prospect from within this year, whether it's Alex Verdugo getting a real shot or previous years, you know, we saw Walker Bueller last year and Corey Seeger a few years ago and Josh Peterson and Cody Bellinger. Um, you know, that's a, that's a quite a recipe for sustained success. I, I know they haven't won a World Series and, and it's it's been a long, long time since they have, eight nineteen eighty eight. But, um, you know, they've got a good formula for giving themselves as many chances as they can every year.
1: I, I can't wait to dive into your book. Tyler Kepner covers baseball for the New York Times, but this book, k: A History of Baseball in ten pitches. You've got a chapter about the fastball, a chapter about the knuckleball, and then the spitball, and are we we have we've ten different pitches for ten different chapters, correct?
3: Yes. Yep. Okay. Uh, sort of trace the lineage and uh, sort of the folklore, the stories behind each of them, and and talk to uh, some of the guys who, who threw them best.
1: All right. And so, uh, three hundred interviews uh, along the way. I do believe is that three hundred different people or three hundred. Yeah. Different?
3: Yeah. They had. They, you know, they gave me three years to do it. So, um, yeah. you know, in, in the course of my <laughs> my travels, anybody who. Yeah, uh, threw a pitch particularly well, or a hitter who saw a certain pitch, yeah, uh, even if it was just the end of an interview, I could pick off one more question. Hey, by the way, what was it like to face uh, j r. Richard or something and then <laughs> get a you know a colorful quote uh, about about an all time great
1: awesome. that kind of 's awesome uh, the, My favorite like uh, infographic that i 've ever seen was in the new york times i don 't know maybe you had something to do with it, but it was several years ago before Mariano Rivera retired, and it was every cut fastball he had ever thrown at the exact same time in a graphic. Do you remember what i 'm talking about <laughs>
3: Yeah, I think so. I
2: don't I didn't put oh. it together, but I think our graphics guys
3: did that. Yeah. Oh my
1: god. And it just showed the absurd consistency with which he threw it in the same spot and it had the same kind of movement and just was was devilish. How how were those conversations about the cut fastball with Mariano Rivera? Uh
3: it was it was it was good. I actually talked to him in, in Chicago of all places. Uh, you know, he was there for the World Series to present the uh you know, the Mariano Rivera Reliever of the Year Award, and, and I caught up with him there at Wrigley. Um, but the funny thing was his son was there with him, and his son is a minor league pitcher, and, and his son can't throw it. Like, he just it, it doesn't work for him. Um, so it, it's just interesting to me how um, you can teach a grip to someone, um, even your own son, uh, who's a professional pitcher, but everybody's arm angles and physiology um, and sort of – Intuitive know-how are, are different. Um, fortunately for Roy Halladay, for example, he, you know, he had the presence of mind to talk to uh, Rivera in 2008 at the All-Star game. Um, obviously, he was an All-Star, so he was really good. But he thought something could be better um, with his cutter, and he thought he was doing something wrong with his finger placement. And Rivera showed him uh, a better way to better place to put his thumb, and. It just unlocked that pitch for Halliday in a way it never he had never thrown it before. So the last three years of his of his dominance um, in 2009, 10, and 11, he threw that pitch more than any other starting pitcher in baseball,
2: hmm. and
3: really gave him that final flourish to go to the Hall of Fame. So that was part of the book too. Is is just how pitchers uh, talk shop with each other and, and sort of pass down their pitches um, through the generation.
1: Oh, I love that. I remember last year David Price talking about how he learned the changeup from James Shields. And we here in Chicago were watching a terrible version of James Shields over the, <laughs> right. la- over the last couple of years. But, you know, it, the, these guys have an effect that can last generations beyond them. And I, I've always kind of loved, and did you find this to be true, that even if your opponents you know, that, that you might talk shop and talk pitching with a guy in the middle of a series.
3: Right. Oh yeah. Well be know yeah. to be sure the Yankees find Rivera and Kangaro because every time they would go up against Halliday, they're like, <laughs> That was tough enough already. But now you're teaching them your cutter? Don't, you know that's 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 a foul right there. Did they find him? Um, did
1: they really find him? They
3: did. They did, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, oh, that's but, awesome. Uh, you know, and, and and Halliday got a kick out of that. I was very lucky to talk to Roy. Uh, obviously, we know what happened to him, sadly, but um, mm-hmm. I was able to get him when he was working for the Phillies late in his in his life, life there with uh, their minor leaguers, and and he carried that baseball. He, well, what he did was when Rivera showed him how to hold the cutter in a better way, um, he traced his fingers on a baseball and and said, "Okay, if I ever get out of whack, I'll just go back to this this uh, this training baseball." Wow. And um, and so everywhere he went the rest of his career, Philadelphia, on the road, everywhere, he would, he would go back to that ball. He said, my cutter's wrong. Let me see where I'm finger. Oh, I was doing it wrong. So it's just that he had to retrain his muscle memory, um, and he kept that uh, baseball. In his locker, in fact, I've asked the Hall of Fame. I said, "Like well, you should check with uh, the Halliday family to see if that ball is still somewhere in their possession, and then put it in this Hall of Fame case with with going in with R- Rivera this year. It'd be pretty cool." Oh,
1: wow! That wow, that's tremendous. Really connecting Rivera to another, and another another Hall of Famer um, that way. Um, give give me another something like that that you learned along the way about a connection between two pitchers that maybe we don't realize because that's that's gold, Tyler.
3: Yeah, well, yeah. The the uh, one really fun. Um, connection that that brought me all the way back to particularly Cubs history um was I was talking to Carl Erskine the old Brooklyn Dodgers pitcher um he's in his 90s now he's living in Indiana and still as sharp as ever um and he had he shared some great stories but the one I'll share here is when he was in the minor leagues he well we were talking about the 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 curveball Carl Erskine threw a great curveball and he was saying how when you throw it it's sometimes helpful to you know well it's helpful to get the index finger out of the way you know that's not your dominant finger on that pitch and he said in fact if you didn't have your index finger it would be the perfect way to throw a curveball which reminds me of meeting three finger brown when i was <laughs> in the minor leagues and i said you knew three finger brown and he said yeah he was an older gentleman at the time and and he lived in the terry Hode house in terry haute indiana and that's where they, the minor league teams would stay and he would come down and, and, and greet us in the lobby and he loved to talk about his stories of you know, the nineteen oh eight World Series with the Cubs and he'd show us his mangled hand and the farm you know, explain the farm accident that that sliced off his fingers and um and how that gave him such a, a gnarled grip that Made him uh, a curveball master, so I was like, "Whoa, man! I'm talking to someone who knew Three Finger Brown here. We're going way back in
1: time." Oh, that's that that's amazing. You get you, you get all the way there. Um, along the way, uh, did you do? Do you have any thoughts, or did you develop any thoughts as to what has created the rash of arm injuries that we have lived through over these past couple decades? And it could be that just guys got hurt in the past, and they didn't get surgery they just stopped playing and 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 mm-hmm. and, and that was it but but i wonder cuz we always hear that the cutter can kill velocity you know like people some people think that that halliday as much as it helped him it kind of it kind of hurt the velocity i but i wonder if you learned anything about what might have what might be damaging among these pitches
3: well that is one thing that i that i really tried to look at particularly with pitches like the uh the screwball which isn't thrown anymore at all and yet you know, we have more Tommy Johns than ever. Mm-hmm. Um, so people think the screwball was was dangerous, but um, you know can't be too harmful because um, nobody throws it really anymore. Mm. And uh, and, in, and surgeries are up. I tried to talk to people about the split finger fastball, which guys say causes arm injuries. Um, the curveball, you know, when's the right time to throw it for kids in particular? Is the curveball dangerous? Um, But in talking to you know medical people and as as well as pitchers. um, there was no consensus at all that any of those p- pitches were inherently dangerous or certainly no more dangerous than throwing lots of fastballs at an early age um and you know before your ligaments are are used to it um you know and and you know i remember talking to jared parker if you remember him he was with oakland um for a few years he was he was their number one pitcher yeah he, based, he matched up with verlander in the playoffs those division series a couple times and and um he was talking about how you know, when he was in high school in Indiana, he didn't even realize how hard he was throwing. He he asked his dad one day, because there were some scouts behind the plate, and he just sort of looked at his dad, and his dad held up eight fingers. And he said, oh, well, I'm throwing 88. Okay, well, I guess, it's a, I guess it's a little slow day. And he was actually throwing 98, and he didn't even really realize <laughs> how hard he was throwing. And Jared Parker made it. He made the big leagues, but he couldn't, he could not stay healthy. He had multiple Tommy Johns he, twice. When he came back, he, his elbow snapped. I mean, this guy tried everything, wow. but in the end, he just threw too hard for his body. Um, and sometimes that happens. Um, you know, they, it, it's, there's a big question about whether it's natural or not yeah. to throw overhand. Um, but definitely unnatural is throwing overhand a hundred times at, you know, speeds of 95 miles an hour or more, especially when you're when you're still developing as 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 a person, yeah, so I'm, I'm sure not you. Not so I'm, much the breaking balls, it's the fastballs. I'm
1: sure you've encountered it, Tyler. I've talked to personnel guys before, and I'm like, well, why is this guy that good, and this guy lasts, this guy doesn't and say, and they'll throw their hands up in the air and say, bionic arm, you know, that some guys just right. just absolutely have it. All right, um, Tyler, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much. The book is K, a history of baseball in ten pitches, and Tyler's a great follow on Twitter at Tyler Kepner and read him in the New York Times. Thanks so much for joining us.
3: All right, thanks a
1: lot. You got it. Appreciate it. That's Tyler Kepner of the New York Times. All right, let's take a breath. It's hit and run on 670, the score. The phone lines are wide open, 312-644-6767. We are here with you. I am here with you up until Cubs pregame at 1235. Anything that came up in the Dempster, hour and a half, anything that came up there, anything you want regarding the White Sox and regarding these Cubs who changed the script at least for one day after the win last night. Your show, 312-644-6767 is the number. It's hit and run on 670 The Score.
0: We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them, with more coming in. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited.